Khuni, The Crimes of India is a thoroughly researched podcast that uses publicly available documents, reports and books and associated media to provide listeners with a complete picture of the week's case. The following content is often graphic and regularly uncomfortable. Mentions of assault, bodily harm and death may follow. Khuni, The Crimes of India does not condone any actions mentioned in the episode. Minors are advised to exercise caution before proceeding. Thank you. They had had this conversation multiple times. And this was not the first time anything like this happened. Sneha was the love of Ron's life, but she got on his nerves pretty regularly. Their little kittens, Figa and Kali, looked at him angrily when he clambered into his and Sneha's one-bedroom Battery Park City apartment. It was almost like they were offended that Ron disturbed their beauty sleep. Cats, scoffed Ron. You love them, but they can be such little shits at times. It was almost midnight and Ron was knackered. He was an emergency room intern at the Jacoby Medical Center in the Bronx, New York. His shift today was one right from hell. He didn't even get one solid minute to breathe. He took a much-needed shower. He actually wanted to soak in their bathtub. But Sneha had repotted some orchids and left them to dry in the bathtub. Ron walked to the kitchen and made himself some pasta. He was so tired that he almost fell asleep at the table eating his dinner. If you could call it that. Ron had an early shift the next morning and he needed rest. He laid down on their bed and checked his phone one last time, hoping Sneha had called. Surprise, surprise, she did not. He resolved to have a nice long talk with his wife when he finally sees her next. Figa and Kali sauntered up to him and demanded that he pet them. His last thought before he fell asleep was how sometimes his wife Sneha reminded him of their kittens. At 6am sharp the next day, on the 11th of September 2001, Ron woke up with a groan and turned off his alarm. He was still the only one in their apartment. Sneha was not home. Unfortunately, this was not the first time this happened. And Ron was not particularly worried, but he was 100% irritated. He got ready for his shift and left the apartment by 6.30am. Even as he drowsily made his way to the Bowling Green subway station to take the uptown train 5 to work, he wondered where Sneha could possibly be. Did she crash at her cousin Anu's place a few blocks away, like she sometimes did after a night out on the town? Or did her night out take her to the West Village where she slept at her brother John's? He really needed to talk to her about her habit of staying out all night without checking in with him. He got on train 5 and made it right in time for his 8am meeting at the Jacoby. The meeting went off as usual. At 9am, when Ron still sleepily, made his way to the intern's lounge to grab a quick Americano before his shift officially began. He saw that his co-workers were all staring dumbstruck at TV. A plane had just struck the North Tower of the World Trade Center, about two blocks away from his and Sneha's apartment. A chill went down his spine. He immediately picked up his cell and dialed their home phone. Sneha did not have a cell phone. And he got the voice machine. 
growing more anxious by the second he called her mother and her brother neither of whom had heard from her even as the whole city and then the whole country descended into chaos on that fateful day there was only one question on ron's mind where was sneha Namaskaram welcome to today's khuni episode as usual i'm sneha from hyderabad and i hope you all are having a wonderful week here's something to help you beat the humpty blues before anything thank you so much for all the overwhelming response we got for the previous episode it was great to see that you all missed us as much as we missed you for me it really felt like i was coming home It was great to see so many old faces and so many more new ones. A warm khuni welcome to everyone who started listening to us in our long unplanned hiatus. And because we're a podcast who wants as many listeners as we can possibly get, I beg you to press the subscribe or follow button wherever you listen to us so that you're notified as soon as we upload a new episode. As you all are aware we are on all the major podcast platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Gaana, Saregama, Pocket Casts and many many others. Also, show us your love by writing a review on Apple Podcasts or simply reply to our how did you enjoy this episode question on our Spotify after each episode. You can also follow us on our socials. We are at Khuni Podcast on Instagram. at khuni podcast on twitter and khuni the crimes of india on facebook follow us there to get all the background information pictures and other exciting updates that we'll tell you on the podcast we also have other content that we make exclusively for socials like our very popular monthly segment khuni recommends where we recommend one true crime book one true crime movie or series or a documentary and one true crime podcast that we love and think that you would also love we also have a youtube channel where we put up the episodes too and have other content like khuni conversations where we interview true crime authors journalists etc we have some exciting content coming up for you there as well so follow us there and click the little bell icon to keep abreast of everything khuni wow okay i think i covered everything that needs to be said about housekeeping and logistics So let's move on to the sources that we used for this episode. My first and the most informative source was the New York Magazine article by Mark Fass and then I also read the Independence article on Sneha Philip by Helen Elfer. I also listened to the podcast episode by one of my favorite true crime podcasts Crime Junkie. And my last source was the podcast Missing on 9/11 by iHeart Radio. I'm obviously linking all these sources and more as usual in our show notes in case you want to do your own research into this very bizarre case speaking of bizarre the way i came across this case is quite bizarre yeah i am being super eloquent right now back in 2021 when aditya and i were a year into khuni 
I got a WhatsApp from a very old acquaintance who lives in the states. Someone who had also forgotten about me until they came across Khuni and realized that I'm me. I'm Sneha. Well, they said that they had a super interesting case suggestion and they said that they knew a family whose daughter was missing since the 10th of September 2001. I immediately dug in and read whatever I could get my hands on about this medical intern of Malayali origin from Albany, New York, who never returned home after she left for some shopping and lunch on the 10th of September 2001. Somehow, Aditi and I never got around to doing this case, but it was always at the back of my head. In 2021 and 2022, a bunch of podcasts covered this case and weirdly, someone who I met in a random pub in London in 2021 asked me about this case when I told him about Khuni. Or maybe it's because we share a name. Or maybe because we have creative interests outside of work. Or funnily enough, I was almost 31 when I first heard of her, the same age as Sneha was when she disappeared. This case has always intrigued me and felt slightly personal. So, here's Khuni's perspective on the mysterious disappearance of Sneha and Philip. And how... She came to be declared the 2,751st victim of the 9-11 attacks on the World Trade Center. Sneha Ann Philip was born in Kerala in October 1969 and moved to the States with her parents to upstate New York. They first lived in Albany and later moved to Hopeful Junction in Dutchess County. Sneha was smart as a whip. She graduated from John Hopkins University and later joined as a medical student in the Chicago Medical School in 1995. She loved school, but she also pursued her other love, art. As the host of Missing on 9-11, John Walzak says in that podcast, depending on who you ask, Sneha either wanted to be a doctor or she did it just to please her conservative Indian family. But we'll get to that later. In a school full of medical nerds, Sneha found a kindred spirit, a tall Jewish boy with long curly hair and a goatee, Ron Lieberman. Sneha was an artist and Ron was from LA and he played the guitar. And as Avril Lavigne famously said, can I make it any more obvious? He wanted her and unlike in Avril's famous song, Sneha told him about her feelings. They started dating and clearly they looked like they were going to have their happy ending. Okay, I'm stopping with the Avril references here. But seriously though, things got serious between them. Sneha was a year ahead of Ron and she took a year off and travelled around Italy and worked on her art so they could both graduate at the same time. Yeah, romantic, isn't it? And it was in Tuscany that Ron proposed to Sneha in her holiday apartment's balcony. And she said yes. In 1999, the couple graduated and both landed cushy internships in New York. Ron got into the Jacobi and Sneha got into the Cabrini Medical Center in Manhattan. They moved into a one-bedroom apartment and began to build their life and careers. They both worked insane hours, but like a typical New York young couple, very much in love, they made time for each other. They went to jazz clubs and sushi joints. Sneha was thriving. She enjoyed a night out on the town and she was also living close to her family. Her brother John 
lived on Greenwich Street and she was only an hour away from her parents who had by then moved to Dutchess County. A few months later, the couple were married in a beautiful Jewish Indian ceremony in May 2000. Ron, ever the musician in love, composed a song called Wow, She's So Great and had the band played at their reception. Honoring Sneha's Malayali Christian roots, Ron placed a minu necklace around Sneha's neck. So now a minu is a traditional heart-shaped gold pendant with a cross and that's often worn by married Malayali Christian women. It was a perfect day. For the next year and three months, the couple lived in harmony. But like all couples, they had their tiny differences. However, they were largely very happy. 10th September was a Monday. It was Sneha's day off and she had big plans. Ron left for work around 11am and Sneha kissed him goodbye, promising to let him know of her plans for that night. She hummed as she repotted the purple and white orchids and left them out in the bathtub to dry. At 2pm, she instant messaged her mother. Yeah, remember that thing, online messaging? Sneha gushed about how wonderful Ron was that weekend when he played the guitar at a co-worker's party they had gone to. Sneha told her mother about her plans for the week. She said she wanted to go out and try Windows on the World, the restaurant in the Twin Towers, and also check out the mall that is there underneath the World Trade Center. She wanted to go check out the restaurant because a friend of hers was getting married that spring and they were getting married there. After two hours, she logged out of Messenger so she could get on with her day. Sneha changed into a brown dress and pulled her hair into a ponytail, put on sandals and left her apartment to run some errands. She first stopped to drop off some dry cleaning and went to Century 21, a department store just past the Twin Towers. At around 6pm, she used Ron's Amex to buy lingerie, a dress, pantyhose and linens. She also charged his card for three pairs of shoes on Century 21's shoe annex. This was where we lost track of Sneha. As I told you in the opening scene of this episode, Ron was very worried once he saw what was happening in the city and across the country. Multiple gruesome scenarios rushed through his head. Was she kidnapped when she was running errands? Did she get hit by a car and is she now lying in a hospital somewhere unidentified? Or worse, was she in a ditch somewhere because she became friends with the wrong stranger in a bar last night? Despite what was happening around him, the fact that Sneha could be trapped in the Twin Towers didn't even strike him as a remote possibility. At 3pm on 11th September 2001, Ron jumped onto an ambulance going downtown to look for Sneha. The ambulance took six hours to reach Tribeca, where they lived, because so many people were trying to flee Manhattan, only to find that the NYPD has cordoned off that area. He had to walk past a police line, burning cars and overturned fire trucks to reach their apartment. But the front door to their 23-floor apartment would not open. Exhausted, he walked to a friend's house in the West Village and spent the night there tossing and turning on their couch. He headed home early next morning. This time, he managed to get in. As soon as he opened the door to their apartment, he found that the living room was covered in soot. The kittens were hiding behind their couch, but there was no sign of Sneha. He walked into their bathroom and the flowers Sneha had potted that morning 
the orchid she loved which they flew in from hawaii was still in the bathroom he called her family and even they did not hear from her by the 12th ron made flyers for sneha and walked around the street distributing them to strangers he even went to the 911 help center at lexington avenue armory to drop off flyers he approached a few reporters to try and get sneha's story out in the world hoping against all hope that someone would recognize her and approach him unfortunately the reporters being reporters lost all interest when they got to know that sneha was missing since the 10th frustrated ron called john sneha's younger brother and they both devised a plan to get the attention of the reporters john executed the plan perfectly even though he had been fighting with sneha since the last two weeks and they did not talk he made up a story about her final moments live on tv looking straight at the camera he said i was on the phone with her and she told me she couldn't leave because people were hurt she said i have to help this person and that's the last thing i heard from her call it indian jugaad or call it plain stupid luck john's performance worked the tv channel ran a picture of the flyer along with john's interview but no one came forward no new information was unearthed john worried that maybe he led the investigators on the wrong path and actually hindered the investigation as he told the new york magazine it became a hero story ron meanwhile filed two missing reports but sneha's case was just lumped along with the thousands of world trade center missing victims despite all of this the family first focused their search on the 10th of september they believed that whatever transpired on the 10th sneha may still be alive meanwhile ron launched his own investigation he logged into sneha's account and saw her message exchange with her mother he called amex and found the purchases she made on his card he then immediately tried to get in touch with the century 21 outlet that sneha went to but unfortunately they were shut down so he dropped off flyers at the outlet a week passed and he almost gave up hope when he got a call from sonia mara a saleswoman at century 21's shoe department she told ron that sneha was a regular at century 21 and that day she came to buy shoes with a friend the shoe department did not have any security cameras but other parts of century 21 did Ron spent weeks reviewing security tapes and found Sneha in the coat department but there was no trace of this mysterious friend Desperate Ron hired Ken Gallant a former FBI special ops agent who was then working as a PI Gallant conducted a thorough investigation but found nothing He even brought Sneha's photos to ferry docks looking for people who may remember her fleeing on the 11th Funnily He even recommended a psychic whom the family paid to fly in from Pennsylvania with no avail. All of this did not yield anything substantial. Gallant had another theory. Sneha may have disappeared intentionally, but was also proven wrong when he found nothing on her computer. Sneha also left behind her glasses, passport, license and credit cards to prove that her shopping trip that evening was just that, a shopping trip. But there was one clue till now which makes the case what it is the apartment building security camera shows a woman who resembles sneha in the lobby just before the first plane struck the trade center 
because of the angle of the sun the image is too blurred and washed out for ron to be sure but on the tape a woman who in silhouette looks very much like sneha you know she had a similar haircut same mannerisms including a dress like the one she was reported wearing enters the building she stands near the elevator waits a minute or two then turns around and leaves after this video was unearthed sneha and ron's family slowly began to change their theory maybe sneha did get trapped in towers she was a medic and she was a helpful person maybe sneha was the woman in the video camera sneha went shopping and bumped into the mysterious friend in the shoe department then they both went out for drinks and knowing ron will anyway be working late sneha possibly crashed at her friend's place for the night sneha returned home the next day morning and was probably in the lobby when the plane struck the wtc and as a doctor she took off running towards the towers to help and this was not a foolproof theory in any case i mean for example who was the friend why did she not try and contact sneha's family when she knew sneha was missing but this theory somehow assuaged sneha's family's sorrow the version of sneha fit the image of theirs that they had in their head and the one they wanted to immortalize on the first anniversary of the attacks sneha's parents went with their two sons and ron to a memorial in pakipsee where sneha's name was read aloud as a part of a tribute to local victims 3 days later the philips held a small ceremony at the church of the resurrection near their home in duchess county where they buried an urn filled with ashes from ground zero in october 2003 ron lieberman filed a claim with the victim compensation fund he wanted to create a memorial fund in sneha's name now at this point in the story it is important to state a few facts about the 911 attack victims more than 9000 people were reported missing on september 11 2001 the nypd quickly pruned down the list some names had been listed twice some people had found their missing loved ones some were fraudulent complaints filed so that they could get money from the victims fund the nypd investigation into sneha's disappearance revealed a side of her life that her family denied vehemently now according to the nypd report sneha's life was quickly spiraling out of control in the months before her disappearance apparently sneha's contract would not be renewed by cabrini citing tardiness and alcohol related issues basically sneha was fired from her job a few days after that sneha reportedly got into a bar fight and that put her in jail for a night this report also said that she filed a false complaint against a fellow intern saying that he grabbed her inappropriately the prosecutors offered to drop the charge if sneha recanted but she refused she even harassed the man and his wife for days after that she was charged with filing a false complaint and she was arrested she spent another night behind the bars and this is not all Sneha and Ron were reportedly having marital problems. Sneha was painted as being a reckless person who partied all night and often spent all night with random people she met on her nights out. The report said she frequented queer bars like Julie's, Henrietta Hudson's and Mew Mix. The most glaring thing in the report was that it said Sneha's brother 
walked in on her having sex with his girlfriend sneha even struggled with depression and alcohol abuse if you think this was bad things only get murkier sneha reportedly had a court date on the morning she disappeared ron had gone with her and the couple got into a big fight in the court hall and ron was upset that sneha was abusing drugs and alcohol and was conducting bisexual acts in this account sneha stormed out of the court leaving ron behind in january 2004 the medical examiner's office announced that it was removing the last three names from the list of 911 victims leaving the total of 2749 where it stood as of january 2004 sneha's was one of those three names they said that there was no evidence to show that she was even alive on the 11th of september this left her family and ron distraught for them this was a desecration of their beloved daughter's memory things only get worse from there in november 2005 a manhattan judge judge rene roth ruled that sneha died on the 10th of september 2004 this is because according to new york state law this was 3 years after the day sneha went missing ron lost his claim before the compensation fund because of judge roth's ruling he could not get a 911 death certificate and based on sneha's age and earnings the potential compensation would have been around 3 to 4 million usd sneha's family denied everything that was found by the nypd they said that sneha was not let go by cabrini because of alcoholism but because of institutionalized racism and persistent sexual bias at cabrini they insisted that sneha was dismissed because she was a whistleblower now cabrini says that they have no knowledge of any sexual harassment allegations made by dr philip sneha later joined st vincent's medical center on staten island and she ran into problems there as well at the time she went missing she was suspended because she missed an appointment with her substance abuse counselor while ron said sneha had gone home with women she met on her nights out he said that her actions were innocent of the implications and allegations made in the report ron said she used to go to queer bars because men would not hit on her especially after the groping incident he said that while sneha went home with other women it was because she liked to paint and listen to music and she wanted to make friends he said that the police made their allegations based on ron and sneha's non-conservative lifestyle ron even said that the allegations that sneha was a bisexual are ridiculous john denies that he ever walked into sneha and his girlfriend being intimate ron also said that him and sneha never fought in the courthouse and when their lawyer was questioned the lawyer who represented sneha on that particular court day said that he does not remember that there was a fight and the family was visibly hurt by the report and they said that the police and the court created the report based on wild extrapolations but the question here is was sneha's family trying to sugarcoat her life before she disappeared maybe they're trying to protect themselves from seeing the obvious because that would mean they have to face the truth and the image that they built of sneha would come crashing down but the thing is no matter how sneha spent her last few months it is quite possible that sneha did spend her last morning the way her family believes she did the philip family fought hard to appeal judge rod's decision their appeal contrasted sneha's case with that of yuan lafuente another possible victim of 911 the similarities between yuan and sneha were striking 
both of them had lost jobs and they both struggled with depression yuan was a fire marshal and sneha was a doctor both professions focused on helping people while the court did not accept sneha's mother's testimony that her daughter told her that she planned to go check out the windows to the world it accepted the testimony of someone who claimed that they heard laugh when they say that he had a meeting in the twin towers on the morning of 911 sneha's family meanwhile believes that this was because laugh when they's wife colette was the mayor of pakipsee and his case was heard there and not in manhattan on january 31st 2008 a five judge panel reversed judge rod's decision they said that the simplest hypothesis was the one most likely sneha died trying to help the people at the wtc they dismissed the nypd's reports as being hearsay sneha was officially declared the 2751st victim of the twin towers collapse her name is located on panel s66 of the national september 11 Memorial South Pole. The victims fund closed on 2003 and Ron did not get any money. But her family is still hopeful. They have now placed their hopes on DNA evidence. There are over 1911 victims whose remains were never found. Forensic scientists are examining over thousands of fragments, mostly bone shards the size of a tic tac, to try and solve more of these cases and where possible return the remains to loved ones families in january 2006 a breakthrough in dna technology helped on the first 911 identification now sneha's family believes that her jewelry her wedding ring her engagement ring her diamond earrings and her minnow will help in identifying her remains the melting point of diamonds is more than 4 times higher than that of bone which turns to ash in just a few hours at 1500 degrees fahrenheit a body trapped in the depths of ground zero where the fires went up 2000 degrees would leave eventually nothing behind but a diamond would essentially survived unscathed the new york city property clerk received 1350 pieces of jewelry from the ruins only about 2/3 of which have been reunited with their families as a new york magazine article says For the Phillips, the remaining jewelry presents more than 400 chances to prove that Sneha was a hero. They sent pictures of her jewelry to the city property clerk. They got a reply back saying that there was a possibility. It's been years and there has been no identification. In 2006, when Mark Fast, the New York Magazine writer, called the property office, this is what they said: "If you sent in a letter about a piece of plain jewelry, a Timex watch, If there was one of them we sent you back a letter saying that there is a possibility we had no idea that there could be a match and everybody got those letters the philips left sneha's room as is they only added some photos and some diplomas ansu her mother sometimes fondly recalls the last day she spent with sneha it was the friday before the attacks she had gone to visit sneha in the city they ate chinese food went for a walk and watched portrait of a lady on tv as ansu was leaving the next morning sneha asked her if she wanted to do this again philip sneha's father maintains that some proof will be found and she would have not just disappeared into thin air the family finally got closure when her name was added to the memorial 
the family still keeps in touch with Ron. He remarried a decade later and now has a 10-year-old daughter. He visits the family once a year and insists that he remarried after much persuasion from Sneha's family. Her brother John now has a son with his girlfriend. Yeah, the same one who was allegedly being intimate with Sneha. But the story does not end here. There is one more bizarre thing. In 2012, a postcard was sent to PostSecret, an ongoing project that accepts confessions via email. It reads, Everyone who knew me before 9-11 believes I am dead. The internet went into a tizzy. Was this from Sneha? It persuades us to consider the flip side. Was there some merit to the NYPD report or the court's findings? Was she someone who was undergoing a struggle to accept her own sexuality? Did Ron know of her sexuality and turn a blind eye? Was this inner conflict so intense that she could not bear to let down her husband and her conservative Indian parents that she fled? Did she have a plan all along? Or did she spontaneously make it on the day the World Trade Center went down so that she could escape in the chaos? Because one of the times she spent a night out in a woman's house, Sneha came back with paint on her body and Ron said that it was there because she was an artist. Was it? I have read more than my share of theories for this case. We at Kuni do not ever say that one theory is what happened in any unsolved case. And in this case, and this case, for all practical purposes, is unsolved. And I've spent many an hours on many a nights looking at my fair share of Reddit threads about this case. And there is one particular theory that I feel I should share with you. Did anyone check where John was during the time Sneha disappeared? The first thing we hear about him is when Ron calls him. What if the NYPD report found was true? The only person with any kind of probable cause is John. But then again, this is all conjecture. And later, John also said that Sneha tried to contact him on the morning of 9-11. There is also the question of the 4.05 a.m. phone call Ron got to his cell phone from their home phone. Yep, when he was sleeping. When questioned about it, Ron said maybe in a bout of sleep, he called his phone to check if Sneha left any messages. He says he does not remember anything once he fell asleep that night. Now the question is, could it have been Sneha who somehow got into the apartment and then called Ron? Or as Detective Richard Stark says, is Ron hiding something? Did Ron try to harm Sneha because of her life choices? Or because they were fighting? Or because he was just fed up of her? Guess we'll never know. For now, the family seems to have found peace. Philip passed away two years ago and Ansu says she has stopped attending memorials because it gets difficult for her to walk all the way to Sneha's name in the crowds. She prefers to go visit her on her birthdays or other special occasions along with the family. There you have it. That's the story of Sneha and Philip. Whether she was a heroic doctor or someone who wanted to get away from it all or from a life that was rapidly spiraling out of control, hers is a story worth telling. I hope you liked today's episode. Let me know what you think of it. Do you have a theory? Do you know someone who knows what happened? It is certainly one of the most mysterious cases we have ever covered on Khuni. If you have any other stories like this or any other story that you would like us to cover, please write in to us on our socials or to our email 
khunipodcast@gmail.com. Well, we've reached the end of this episode, and it's my duty as your host to ask all of you to please like, subscribe, or follow us wherever you listen to us. If you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, please write us a review. If you listen to us on Spotify, please follow us and rate us so you'll be updated as soon as we upload any new episode. I'll also put up a question on Spotify under the episode so you can let us know what you think of this episode. So have a great rest of the week. We'll see you bright and early next week with another Khuni story. Love you and let me know how much you miss Aditi because I miss her loads. Bye.